You're listening to a Time Machine podcast. Old movie Time Machine. An adventure through time and or space. Hey everybody, it's the team here from the future. I'm here with uh, Catherine and Carolyn, and it's me, your host through Time and or Space. We just wanted to open this episode about the birds that you're about to hear with a little caveat, because you know we've been talking, it's Hitchcocktober, right, you guys? We've been talking about Alfred Hitchcock's films, and while this is not, a, I've said it time and time and time and time again, you guys, this is not a movie show. This is a show about time. However, if we are going to be putting a spotlight on one individual filmmaker and really kind of jerking him off the whole time. I mean, like listening back while doing the edits of these, it's just like, oh, Hitchcock's amazing. He does this and then he does this. And guys, this is so crazy. Then we have to address the bad stuff, too. It's just uh, this is what we do. We cannot be these uh, moral arbiters from the current day, you know, wagging our fingers as we do at these old timey films or whatever, without wagging the finger at, at the, the man directors. behind the picture that we have named the month uh, after. So Alfred Hitchcock, obviously he's a great filmmaker. We all know this read any book about movies. You will see that sentence written in that book, but let's also talk about Tippi Hedren, the star of our film, the birds today, and the fact that she came out in, what, 2016 or 17, uh, that Guardian article was that I sent you all, uh, and she yeah. accused him of sexual assault on the set, and he made inappropriate advances of a physical nature and as well as a psychological nature, because, I mean, that's the whole director-actor mm, dynamic right there. But he did try to put his tongue into her mouth and grab at her in the back of a limousine and all of these things. And we just need to acknowledge it because Tippy, you're still out there, and we love you and we hear you. And that's the important thing that we wanted to acknowledge is that we hear your story and we respect your story. And we are sorry that this terrible man did these things to you in the process of making what is an incredible movie, as you were about to hear us gushing about the birds for a couple hours. Uh, we should also, we should also note that he kind of like had her blacklisted because she wouldn't accept his advances. Yeah. Right. And so therefore she would have had a very different career. If Alfred Hitchcock wasn't calling people saying, don't hire Tippi Hedren. Exactly. Which he was apparently doing. So fuck you, yeah. Alfred. I have to imagine this happened to other people, too. If it happened with her, it probably happened. I mean, he he really churned through the blondes, as we've spoken about. We just wanted to take this time to acknowledge this because the conversation, understand, again, we don't do any research for this show. We do a very bare minimum amount of research because it's more about the world within. But again, if we're going to be stroking Hitchcock the entire time, we must also call him out for uh, his bullshit. So this I'm not stroking him because I have turned down a couple of his films. Um, that's true. You have. Uh, he made you some offers and you said, no, I refuse to work with you. I've heard of what you've done to others. I and slapped his hand away yeah. and said no. Oh, and one more thing okay. regarding Tippy, right? Mm. What, what does she have to lose by? So she's 92 years old today in mm. the year 2022. And she published 
her experience in her book uh, five or six years ago, something like that. Mm. What does an 80 something year old woman have to lose or gain by <laughs> making this up or whatever? Just, there should be no question that about her story. No, honestly, I don't think there should be any question whatsoever. And I will say like, statistically speaking from, you know, like a victimology standpoint, this kind of abuse, whether it's physical or mentally like controlling, is something that victims, one, typically don't necessarily identify mm. until many years later. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, from a the, and the, pen, the penny drops. Like, it's almost like you hear somebody else dis- describing their situation and it's like, right. oh, sh- right. shit, mm-hmm. that happened shit. to me. Yeah. Right. And then the other thing about it is that because of this extreme power dynamic Mm. with Alfred Hitchcock, she would have, he's already ruined her career. Mm -hmm. I mean, he actively was trying to make sure she didn't get hired again because he, she didn't give into his advances. So she also didn't have that, that was going to hurt her further in the time period. Mm. And then because he's so revered, it, you know, that's hard to, that's so hard for a victim to come out and say. And then at the like time, later, absolutely. Like, did it yeah. really happen? Mm, yeah, yeah. Why didn't you say happen? something at the time? Well, it just wasn't physically possible for because he was reasons. considered a god and whatever in right. his day and yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it is an, an absolute why, abuse of power. And that's the thing. It just, it does yeah. not have to be abusive. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. We now present to you our analysis of Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. You're welcome. Here we go. Caca. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Old Movie Time Machine. This is the show in which we use color motion picture films made in the old US of A between the years of 1945 and 1965 as windows into the past. Now we open the window, we climb through the window. And we poke around at the world beyond the window. We're checking out the people, the places, the sights, the sounds, the smells. We're asking critical questions such as, who are these people? What are their habits? How are they treating one another? What decisions are they making? And why? And also, most critically, what are they wearing? And what do their living rooms look like? And at the end of the show, we will ask the most critical, vital, important of all questions, which is, this movie that we just watched, you guys, are we going to keep watching this thing? Are we going to keep carrying this thing down the line, carting it from one living room to another, showing one child who's going to show it to a grandchild, to a great-grandchild, or are we just going to leave it aside and say, fuck it, get out? I'm your host, by the way. It's your time and or space, Justin Zeppa, joined as ever by my panel of incredible international experts at being humans in the early 21st century. Starting on my left, as sometimes, Trishma Nike. Hey, Trish. Hey, guys. What's up? Nice to see you. Welcome back to the program. I am excited to be here. Mm-hmm. You're, <laughs> you're actually flapping your wings over there with excitement. These are everybody. No, they can read the, the title of the show. They hit play, after all. They know. And to your left, Trishma Nike, across the ocean, my sister and yours, Carolyn Nowrose. Hey, sis. Hey there. Welcome. Are you flapping your wings and molting your coat? Yeah. Excitement? Yeah, I am. Okay. I am definitely shaking a chicken wing over here. Yeah. And she is. We can verify <laughs> that. 
Um, where's your reel now, Shushma? When, <laughs> when somebody's shaking their chicken wing, I need you to be on the video. Shushma Nike over there on the, the social media, by the way. If you like the social media, Shushma Nike's fault. If you don't like the social media, also Shushma Nike's responsibility. She'll take the fall for that. Um, I'm all about, I only think in reels now, which is quite, not where I thought I would be in life. Right. 30 seconds. But here you are. But at least it's been you 30, 30 seconds. seconds. Yeah. What music would go with this moment? Right. <laughs> how do I how would it take me to put this together? How, right. how soon before I can take it live? Right? Is that how you're thinking? Are those the right terms? Those are the right terms. Do you have any calls to action for our social media participants, by the way? I think most of them just use the social media, do not listen to the show. But right. do we have anything where it's like, yeah, give us, uh, like us, and also write a message? Yeah. Or write, write something in the comments, maybe? Yeah, write so, uh, send us messages. Tell us what you think about our show. We can give you a shout out. Um, mm -hmm. If you comment yeah, on one of the posts. Want a shout out. Yeah, we, we got shout outs. We got a box full of shout outs. We do. Anybody want one of these things? No. <laughs> It'll probably be our mother. Hey, shout out to mom. That one's free, mom. <laughs> Love you. Love you, babe. She doesn't listen. It's yes, fine. she does. But she's on the social media. She is one of those. So. Okay. She only listens to us on road trips. Mom, call me. You never call. She'll write Lies. That. Classic. You guys, it's a very special moment because it's the conclusion of our back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back films of Alfred Hitchcock. We're doing, I've been waiting for so long to do this, but 1963's The Birds. It's happening. I spent a huge day yesterday watching The Birds basically twice. Okay. I spent a day with The Birds. Um, I don't know what your all experiences were like, but mine were filled with feathers, mm -hmm. downy feathers, very comfortable, uh, surprisingly insulating. Uh, but also those birds are mean, right? They are mean. Fucking birds are dicks. Yeah. That's my biggest takeaway. I also wanted to raise for discussion. Um, are we okay with Alfred Hitchcock and his potential like Me Too violations? Oh, well, I mean, I don't think anybody's okay with a Me Too violation, but have you been doing some research? No, I just wanted to bring it up. Right off the bat, Trishman Ike, do you have a one-line review for the birds? I do. Okay. <clears throat> Prior to watching this movie, I was bird agnostic, um, as in I didn't, you know, like them or dislike them. You just weren't way. thinking about them at all. Right. Okay. They were creatures that yeah. existed and, you know, sometimes they were pretty. Um, now. Nice summary of birds. <laughs> right. Nice. They exist. Sometimes they're pretty. Um, now I probably will be a little bit more weary of the birds around me. Yeah. And rethink this habit I've picked up of feeding the seagulls. <laughs> Well, you feed the seagull? No, don't do that. That's right. We've talked about this. Because you do it with like bread, right? Like right. old bread or something? Bread. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And you want to put that to good use? I don't know if that's, if that's the best bird. use. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Because now we know what they're capable of. Exactly. So um, so in a nutshell, this movie kind of changed how I approach birds. Okay. Great. Great. Carolyn, do you have a one-line review for the birds? I do. Birds. I actually came up with two. But... Um, I will, I'm going <laughs> to, they're kind of a play on each other. So the first one, David really wanted me to use it because this was his one line review. And I was like, well, I was kind of so hold for the old David time machine drop okay. right here. Old David time machine. Um, he would like you to know that uh, only in Bodega Bay do love and birds escalate this quickly. <laughs> Okay. Is that is, um, wait, is that, was more I, like, I feel like I'm missing something. Is that a reference to a is that a song lyric or something like that or No, it's not at all, but we as we were watching it and 
I mean, I will tell you, I love this movie. I've seen it so many times. I watched it as a kid. And I, both Dave and I were sitting there like, wow, their relationship escalated pretty quickly yeah, there. That's in true. The yeah, relations are like, insane. Traumatic yeah, events. Yeah, sure, sure. Right. Traumatic events. Um, where I, my, my personal one line review is um, a wild flock of birds can't keep Mitch and Melanie apart. Oh, 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 see, I like that one. That that brings it all together, I think. That ties it up neatly. Uh, well done, but right. to both of you. And and here's to David as well. Keep trying, buddy. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> this has been Old David Time Machine. <laughs> and my one-line review is, let me see here. I never realized we were at war with the birds, but now it's all I can think about. Oh, I mean, yeah. like you say, it's... uh. It wasn't pressing. It wasn't an issue. I had no beef with the birds. Exactly. I was very like, yeah, y'all, you know. But now I'm like, fly away. <laughs> you know what? Fuck off, bird. It's like, fuck right. Get out of here. You stay, or just you stay over there. Exactly. Like, I get it. Okay. So we, we are supposed to be on the land, right? We right. have these legs. This is how we get around. We also developed these big old brains. So we're making spaceships and airplanes and hot air balloons and all kinds of things like that. So I get it. We are violating their territory, but birds, mm. you know, just stay up in the sky. Agreed. And I'm, I'm saying like upper sky too, not like this low hanging, like a head level. We're dive bombing children routine, right? which would count as sky technically, technically. I just feel like there should be a, you must be this, fly this tall to- An airspace regulation. There's got to be some kind of regulation. Carolyn, you, you read my mind. There has to be some kind of- I don't know, some some institution that's out there watching and making sure and giving the birds citations if they violate airspace protocols, you know? So let's get into our most, arguably, most chilling film of the season, to date anyway, I think. Now, of course, we see Tippi Hedren, our star, also known as Melanie Daniels. We see her crossing the street here. She's waiting for the, the walk sign, of course. She's a, a law-abiding citizen. Don't jaywalking here. Maybe we're stretching this too thin. It's Maybe. possible. Maybe it's just uh, as much a cool looking jet yeah. signs up there. Let's let's film those. But how do we feel about Tippi Hedren? Because we're we're starting off with her right away. She, I think this was her debut film, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And Hitchcock saw her in uh, like a diet soda commercial and was like, "Give me that blonde. I'd love to have her motion picture." In some of the research that I did, Ooh, wow. um, he had to really kind of coach her through this movie. Like she had no experience Interesting. in acting before this. Okay. And, you know, obviously he took a liking for her. He loves um, his blondes, right? right? And yeah. then he was really kind of her, she became dependent on him in a way. But there was also like this. Just how he likes it. Like the relationship where he literally kind of mm, babied her through this movie. Oh, okay. Okay. And each. That's what. Well, I'm sure he hated that. Which is why I brought up the Me Too stuff. Like, yeah. you know, I guess he was a kind of a handsy kind of man. I yeah, was, he was. Was he known to be handsy? Now, I've, I've known him to be psychologically demanding, but it, was he known for infidelities or, or gropings or whatever? I think he was m maybe not gropey, but very voyeuristic. Oh, He's... He's a professional I mean, filmmaker. Most I mean, directors yeah, right. are right. The whole thing is we like watching. I really enjoy watching. If you want to mm. sit on my lap and then I will watch you and make a movie, motion picture. Uh, how is it coming together at the Hitchcock? Do you know what I'm doing? I think, yeah, I've watched I enough think clips this is of his. Something like this. 
something. It's either that or um, very, you sound a lot like Elrond. Low Hubbard. energy. Oh. No, Elrond's a bit more. He's a bit more tweaky. He's he's a bit more methy. I feel like he's more. Yeah, no, and he's got sort of a one of these interesting sort of mid-century accents that it doesn't really exist anymore, of course. But the Thetans will tell you otherwise, and that's why. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that's it's pretty good. good. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's pretty good. What if you guys? What if Elrond Hubbard and Alfred Hitchcock had a lunch together? I think it would go a little something like this. Now, why don't you sit on my lap over here? Now, of course, the Thetans would would say that if you're watching me and I'm watching you watch me, then who's really doing the watching? Yeah, right. <laughs> And scene. I don't think those are two people we ever want in the same no, I don't room think together. So. I think that's a recipe for disaster for humanity. Okay, you guys. Back to Tippy. Right. So. Uh, Tippy's great. We like Tippy. I mean, for all intents and purposes, her performance here anyway is built entirely around her voice. She has a very distinctive voice, I think anyway. Like, she's not... She's not giving a big melodramatic performance by any means. She freaks out when she needs to freak out when there's a bunch of fucking birds all over her up in her business. But otherwise, she's a pretty cool customer and she has one of those delicious smoky voices. And it's something that I kind of miss in the world. You know, like the some people have 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 very rich voices to begin with. And then of course, if it's like the fifties or sixties, you're smoking packs a day. Right. And you're giving it a little extra ed. Right. This makes it, it's so distinct. A smoker here. I like it. You know, that's right. But she is crossing the street here, old tippy, and she's going into a pet shop. We're looking at an image here of the shop. I'm noticing, you know, gilded cages everywhere. Mm. These are very shiny golden cages filled with birds. Enter Mitch Brenner. And he's going to look out for his own birds, right? Or at least birds of the female variety. He's kind of a ladies' man. There's something to this guy, as we later find out. He is. There's something irresistible about this man mm-hmm. where women will pack up and move out of fucking San Francisco to set up shop and just hang out near him. Right. It's crazy. Women will flock to him. Oh, Carolyn, there it is. Wow. Wow. He makes it very clear that he doesn't care for her. He doesn't like her for some reason. Now, do we know exactly why at this point? Or is it just a general, I loathe you and your arrogant socialite ways? Yeah, I think that that's a general. I also don't think that he is very believable when he says he doesn't like her. Because clearly, I think there's really good sexual tension between the two of them. She was interested in him. He's kind of excited about her being interested in him. Mm-hmm. Even though he's playing, and as soon as she gets feisty, he gets feisty. Yeah. Okay. So he he kind of rubs that in her face that he knows, and she all of a sudden knows that he knows, and she starts plotting a little scheme because it turns out, you guys, that Melanie Daniels is something of a prankster. Mm. She's always out there pulling pranks, doing little tricks. She's got some free time on her hands. She's a socialite. I mean, as we we learn, she she does things. She has specific things she does on specific days. But for the most part, she's free and easy. She kind of comes and goes as she pleases. She follows him outside. She gets his license plate number, goes over to this glorious green old rotary phone here, looking like $10 million. And she calls up her friend at her daddy's paper. Her dad owns a newspaper. And she gets the friend to run the plates so she can find out where Mitch lives. And why does she need to know that? 
because of course she's going to buy the birds that he was looking for. For his sister, del- the, the love birds. He was going to mm-hmm. bring his sister for her 11th birthday. Right, right. And he's she is going to do this because I guess this is a prank. This is a polite prank. This is a, a welcome prank, sort of. Doesn't no. this go this, into stalkers? This is thing? a I want to fuck you prank. Mm. And then this becomes the most elaborate prank of all time as she drives 60 miles north of San Francisco and then gets involved in some shady boat rentals. And Carolyn, as you've already talked about, does a lot of um, peeping from the waterfront and all of this. Mm-hmm. And But bef- you know, before we get to that point, let's just take in some of these beautiful coastal views as we go up north. I mean, it's just her driving this car, squealing tires and all. She's reckless, right? She's crazy. But look at these beautiful countryside shots. I mean, again, it's spectacular. It's beautiful. But oh, you know what else is spectacular is this general merchandise store slash U.S. post office. You know I love a good general store, you guys. And she meets with the postman. I guess, yeah, the post office running man. The postal worker. That's what they're called. Hmm. I think he and, owns a general store and he's also running the post office for the yeah. area. And she's like, hey, do you need, do you know Mitch Brenner? He's like, yeah, I do. And they all sound like they're from Maine. I mean, anybody living in a coastal town sounds like they're from Maine, right? Pepperidge Farm remembers. Do they still sound like that? I don't know. Okay. In Maine, I guess. But we're in 60 miles north of San Francisco. Not terribly Yeah, but that's applicable. some country-ass shit. Yeah. Oh, it looks remote as we're seeing here. I mean, this is, we've got a, a dock fishing area here spot here and that's about it and then a bunch of ratty old houses in this fantastic Northern california rife with folks influx from europe and asia yeah Mm. sure so there's i think probably a very distinct like first second generation english Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. dialect going on especially in this era would have been probably first generation maybe second right and so she kind of she definitely gets her way throughout this conversation anyway it's it's a little indicator of her personality but she's like where's mitch and he's like well he lives across the bay where's across the bay well across the bay is over that direction yeah but where i mean she just keeps like pushing and pushing and like you're going to give me what i need i've got this fur coat on fucking listen to me and give no? me what i need no it's i not would at not all about her fur coat she could be in a paper bag and with that face men will give voice. her all the information she needs yeah she looks very nice she looks like somebody you want to give directions to about that. She looks like someone that you're so like, respectful. I don't know what I want to say to you, but keep talking to me because wow. Well, and eventually, I mean, this guy folds like a house of cards. I mean, he does, he's, he's nothing up against her wiles because he, he's like, oh, well, do you want me to order the boat for you? You want a boat, right? You want, oh, I'll go get do you, you want a to boat, open ma'am. this mail? Yeah. You want me to carry <laughs> this boat for offense, you? It's a offense, but I'll, I'll, I'll paddle the boat mail. if you want, or I'll push it from behind. I'll get in the water and I'll kick my little old man legs and push you across because I'll do anything. Anyway, the point is, Trishma. Is that how Alfred Hitchcock felt about her? And he was just kind of. I no, I think Alfred Hitchcock wanted to torture her personally. I mean, I, so, are we not gonna like talk about that he was a little bit creepy and he like yeah. creeped on? We women? can talk about it. Sure. What do you got? Nothing. Can I all. Google oh. it? <laughs> <laughs> you just want it stated for the record that right. he was probably a creep. Yes. I there's there's no we're argument okay. against it. We're okay. With no, that. we're not okay with it. We're not. Can't be. So the old man's like, hey, he lives across the bay. You can get a boat. 
was like, because I don't want to drive up there. I want to surprise him. I'm doing it this elaborate, sneaky, 60 plus mile prank. And I need to rent a boat to achieve it. She does. She scoots her little way across the bay and she observes as he goes into a barn from afar. And then she paddles the boat up, hooks it up to the dock, breaks into this man's house, leaves these birds behind with a letter to a, a girl Break, she's never met. Breaking and entering to drop off fucking yeah. Cozy little B and E. Just yeah. Exactly how you guys described it. Like no no locked doors. Of course not. Not no, no security system. And she has zero boundaries because she is wealthy and oh daddy runs a paper and I just kind of do what I want. And also I've got this voice in this face and here I am. Hey everybody, just breaking in here with some incredible news for you. I kind of teased this last week, but great news everybody. The Boardroom Handy merchandise is in. That's right, we have a sleek design based on signage of the early to mid-1950s, giving you the directions you needed, you C-level mama jamas, uh, to find the Boardroom Handies. That's right. As referenced in our episode number 21 about the film Woman's World, you can now go have yourself a true executive experience. Boardroom Handies is available for all kinds of shit. T-shirts, tote bags, pins, the tumbler that you've had your eye on. You can now get that filled with Boardroom Handies. You can just go get the design. And so we need you to go support the team. Go get yourself some Boardroom Handy merchandise for the... A corporate lover in your life and if you do i will thank you just like i'm going to right now thank you and now back to the show so now we go to this we go to this birthday party we are on location and so we are not and they walk all the way to the sound stage this is a really <laughs> adorable scene in which he rod taylor does a pretty good job of pretending like he's seeing something in the distance he's gesturing Look at those painted mountains over there. See it all the way over there. Quite a view of this painting, isn't it? Anyway, they go up there and they drink some wine together and they're talking about her jobs. And we learn that she volunteers at a help desk at the airport or something like that. And then she also takes a semantics course at the local university. And then she has dinner with a group that is putting a Korean boy through school or something. That seems to be the only serious one. The help desk at the airport is to misdirect traffic. And the course she's auditing at Stanford is a course in four-letter words. See, I thought she was just kind of taking the piss out of herself when she was saying those things. Like, that she actually does do those things, but she was mm -hmm. twisting it as like, oh, but I fuck it up on purpose. Maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah. Could be open for interpretation or maybe I just misread the whole damn thing. But she's like, I do things. I know you think I don't do things, but I do things. I'm busy. She's a real Kim Kardashian. She kind of is, right? Not really, though. <laughs> Not at all. She doesn't have the, the branding of Skims. Right. So. Or the BBL. Oh, yeah. She hasn't broken the internet yet. 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 You know that chick went and reversed her BBL? Can you can believe that? Like, she got she had it Just, done, and then she took, like, she's like, I want to go back to being a skinny <laughs> Well, she's got the, the time and the money to go back and forth like that. Sorry. So must be nice. Kardashian tangents. It sounds like you've been keeping up. I need to stop. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what I need to do. 
Well, so Mitch is like, he, he says something very condescending along the lines of, you need a mother's care, my child. And he says it as, in kind of like a jokey way. She does not take kindly to it. She is not happy to talk about mom. Mom pissed off when she was 11. She hasn't seen her since. She ran off with some hotel man from the East. So menacing, some hotel man from the East. But then at the end of the m- movie, the very end, she's in Lydia's arms, like a babe well, in arms, and they're looking lovingly at each other. So maybe she really did. Well, need she's a finally found love. the acceptance of the mother that she never knew that she needed because she was too busy playing elaborate mm-hmm. socialite pranks. Mm hmm. But before we can even get close to that, the birds are attacking. And you guys, I mean, they oh, yeah. go to town on this party. They even go to town on the snack table. I just wanted to zoom in on the snack table. We've got some nice punch here. We've got some uh, sandwiches with the crust, mm, crust cut off. I mean, that's fancy as all get out. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday, Kathy. Uh, cake. I mean, this is delicious. And these birds are fucking it up. Look at this bird go to town on this punch. Unbelievable. These gulls coming in, swooping swooping and terrorizing and the kids are just squealing and squealing away attacking the kids the kids this, are yeah this this this, this young this lady one. is my favorite kicking her legs up in the air while this gull mm-hmm. just pecks away at her her facial features and it's has to run over and he's yanking birds off just chucking birds it's really crazy and these were real life birds in some some of them instances. were yeah some of them uh, it's a really interesting process the the composite shots they use for like the big swarms or whatever, you know, they have to layer the film. So, you know, you're shooting the, the people on a set kind of flailing about, and then you layer on this, you know, normally it would be like a green screen or whatever, but they used a, a very special chemical process to make the, the matte lines really come across well without seeming like they're layered on there. And it really works. I mean, I think yeah. it holds up really yeah, well. It does. There hasn't been any digital futzing with what we watched here other than just general restoration things. And it was very convincing. It doesn't look corny at all. Yeah. I mean, it's just fascinating what they were able to do without the technology. Right. Right. And it was, so that's just like him purely playing with the art form. Yes. And he has to, he has to invent ways to be creative, to get this point across. So you'll see, you know, the editing picks up because, you know, you don't want to stick on a shot for too long. Then it'll start to look fake. But you get enough shots, and we see this towards the end, of course, during the last big attack, where you're using a lot of fast cutting, not unlike the shower scene in Psycho, right? But are we are we willing to overlook his his um, handsiness with women mm-hmm. for his for the master of his craft? Well, this is it's a question, right? It's a question for the ages because we've seen this time and time again: horrible people making. Great, great art, art exactly. and I can't come down in some like moral angle on this other than hate the artist, love the art, right? Just right. like the old standby saying, because Mozart, I'm sure, was a drunken asshole for a big part of his life. Right. That doesn't doesn't mean that he didn't make the most incredible music ever composed. I don't know. Again, and, and you know, hey, people still playing Thriller well, on the radio. You know, what I'm I mean, that's true. That's true. Yeah, people like Thriller in in terms Billy of. G. The arts, I think that there are a lot of troubled people, creative yeah. people, troubled in many, many ways. And that probably to a certain extent aids their creative process. Um, 
But does not excuse yeah, their I mean, behavior. It's, it's one of those. Right. It does not excuse their behavior. But I, I think that that gets into, in general, you know, no human being is perfect. No person is either good or bad. You have both mixed in there and it's what you're willing to accept. And I think the the thing that comes, you know, especially in Western culture, we build these celebrities That's up true. so much, even yeah. a Hitchcock, even mm-hmm. a director, that we that it somehow we assume that it absolves all their mm. sins when it really doesn't. Yeah. And I think I mean I clearly like, you know, it's we have the same questions today as we did back then. And um as someone who's kind of sharing, learning about him, like, mm-hmm. he's like, damn, like, he's a good filmmaker, but like, mm, like stories. Are, I mean, and that's, it's just part of it. It's, it's, it's people, human beings are complicated, right? Mm-hmm. Many different angles that can be, a person can be viewed from. And in this case, he happened to make, whether or not you like this movie, but he certainly made, handful yeah. of excellent films you know may- maybe not even the ones that we've watched so far but uh if you get to like a rear window or a vertigo or something like they're, ex- they're exceptional films they're mm-hmm. still considered as such today they're very unique and therefore they have earned their place in the canon of what we hold up as as quality art i guess and it's really be- beside him yeah, other than and- the fact that everything's branded hitchcock you can't get away from it it just concerned me that we are giving so much credit to Alfred Hitchcock and mm-hmm. we're promoting him still. Uh, but there's clearly some dark sides that we're just choosing, not we, I guess that people are choosing to ignore because of what he made was so great. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he, he is given this leeway, why aren't others given this? Like, where do we draw the line between what's okay and what's not? Like, is it a producer versus, versus a director? Is it a black man versus a white man? Like, mm-hmm. what are these lines that we're drawing where sometimes it's okay and we still um, celebrate these people versus it's just blankly not okay? So I guess it's probably like a perception thing. Each person has their own kind of yeah. way to deal with it. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was an interesting, like um, the dark side of Alfred Hitchcock. Like you know, maybe he was a kind of a mm-hmm. creep. Well, and these are all the compromises that we make when we mix yeah. the creator with the, what is created. I mean, I'm always talking about the goddamn Beatles, right? Right. Uh, yeah. John Lennon beat up his wife. Ringo beat the shit out of his wife in the 70s after they were famous, you know, like. Exactly. Does that make me love Revolver any less? You know. Fair. But it, but it's still something that it, you have to take note of it. And that's why we shouldn't pedestal necessarily right. these people, right. but rather acknowledge them as the humans, humans. the complicated yeah. humans that they are, who happen to make this yeah. thing that connects with a lot of people successfully. I'm just I guess. I don't know. It's, I don't, it's, it's you know, it's, it's just, tough. The, the fact that we were, you know, watching these movies just raise the question. Yeah, we call, I mean, we're calling the month Hitchcocktober. Right. Are we, exactly. are we promoting the emotional, psychological manipulation of blonde women, right. you know? You know, I don't know. So, uh, yeah. Whatever. And if we are, I'm sorry, let's just make that very clear. It was not our intention. We just wanted to, it was a great portmanteau. Right. We wanted to use it. And uh, here we are. Yeah. But we couldn't, Exploiting with your... All lady panel. I yeah. feel like we couldn't let this go without. I agree. Do you have more? No, you can give more. That's it. I'm done. I appreciate you bringing it I up. Take a get off my soapbox. Yeah, and I'm saying forget Hitchcock. More like Alfred Ditchcock. You know what I'm talking about? 
get rid of this dude. We don't need him. We just need the art. That's all we need. We just need the movies that he made. Yeah. Fair. Okay. The next morning, Lydia goes to visit her buddy at, at his farm. And this is a very stark farm. I couldn't help but notice, you know, we're so spoiled at this point by beautiful Technicolor or deluxe color, these sort of luscious, very highly saturated 1950s and 60s hues. But here, the sky is not blue. It's a very, it's that white gray color that happens after, you know, or before a storm. And it's a very high contrasty film. It's kind of grainy. It's not, it's not terribly welcoming. You know, this is a very, it's a very chilly, semi-desaturated kind of feel that we have going on here. I don't know if that's on purpose or if that's just film stock that they were using, but I'd like to think it's on purpose. He's a very purposeful filmmaker. And we saw all those colors with The Trouble with Harry. So we know he's capable of going big color, right? Anyway, she goes over to this guy's farm, the Fawcett farm, and the farmhand's like, I haven't seen him, but he's probably in there. And she goes into, she, Lydia breaks into this house, not unlike Tippy did with Mitch's house. And she discovers, Mr. Farmer Fawcett here with his eyes pecked out in his bedroom and it's pretty grisly. And we just, we just do these smash yeah. cuts closer and closer to these eyeless skull here. And she is terrified, of course. Yeah. Horrified. And she tears out of there and proceeds to melt down at home uh, where Melanie and Mitch are now on kissing terms, apparently. While they kind of calm mm-hmm. her it's down. escalated quickly. Yes. Yes. Now it's, it's fine that we're kissing uh, very casually, and that's just the new normal. So get used to that, you guys. Uh, you know, bird attacks will bring people together, and it's it's a trauma. You know, and trauma bonds people. Right. Which is why we end up with Melanie and Lydia sort of at least starting the bonding process. Yes, because their relationship, Lydia's- their bonding is escalating as well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So she, mm-hmm. and she goes yep, in. Lydia is sort of bedridden and 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 totally traumatized, obviously, right? by finding her neighbor with his eyes pecked out. And she's thirsty for tea, and who's got the tea? Melanie. Melanie's like, I got mm-hmm. tea for days over here, and she brings her tea. And Lydia's very concerned about the fact that the Kathy's at school. And Kathy's at school. The school is loaded up with windows as schools are wont to be. And the birds at the farm had gone smashed through the window to peck this guy's eyes out. She also then mentions she ruses the death of her husband very briefly. She misses her husband. Anyway, she gets Melanie to go over to check on Kathy at the school. So Melanie goes on over, has some casual outside the school cigarette smoking, like some waiting around smoking, we could call this. And while she's waiting around for school to wrap up and to get full Kathy access to to guide Kathy home safely, she's she notices that these birds start landing on this mm. um, play structure, right? This, you know, playground? yeah, like a this playground structure. One of my favorite visual scenes in this. It's movie. incredible. To me, this epitomizes the film, which is we start off with like one crow yeah. or raven. And then we start out, and then we have five. We cut and, back, then yeah. you know and then it's, it's like, like oh my God, there's so many birds. <laughs> and this is, it is terrifying. Yeah. To see when, when we clutch to this bird mania where they are fucking everywhere, just hanging out, just lurking. It is very unnerving because again, these guys, mm-hmm. these guys fly, they got beaks, they're pecking eyes out. So she turns around from her hanging out, waiting cigarette. And all of a sudden she sees, I mean, there's no other word for it, a flock of birds mm-hmm. just waiting, 
waiting and they they only arrive when she arrives That's too. True. So it's a thing to consider uh, as to what happens. So meanwhile, the kids in the background, there's no proper score, but we do get the diegetic sound of the kids singing in the schoolroom, this like 19 verse song about some some goddamn medieval thing. I don't know. It's about combing hair or whatever, but it goes on forever. They're just singing this song forever. It serves as the only soundtrack as these birds start gathering and Melanie goes to tell Annie, who is of course the school teacher. She very calmly explains uh, how to escape their beak. Kids, here's the deal. We need to do fire safety protocol here. We're going to leave the school, get your buddy. We're going to the end of the hill. If you live close by, just go home. And if not, we're going to just keep running till you get to this, this safe spot here. So let's do that now. And they do until the birds swarm, of course. Like as soon as they're outside, those birds are going after them, just pecking away while these kids run, run down the the street. And we get a lot of uh, fun close-ups of them being mauled. But also, I couldn't help but notice that the birds, they get up real close, right? And it made me wonder, like, do they want to peck their eyes out or do they just want some smooches? Like, do birds just want some love too? It seems like they just want, like, love me. Sometimes. It's really you know, aggressive. It's, well, they want smooches. They want, please demonstrate love to me. I can be loved. I, I'm a bird and I'm hideous. So but they're love representative me. of Alfred Hitchcock? Oh, now we tie it all together. It must be. After this attack, we safely make our way back to the restaurant that I love so much. Mm. And we go inside. I mean, and this is I mean, a, a great shot. Uh, this school building, by the way, where the birds are flocking was allegedly haunted in real life. And uh, Hitchcock was really into it. Mm. So we go back to the restaurant and as we're making panicked phone calls of like, we got to get the fuck out of town. These birds are crazy. We run into Mrs. Bundy who is enjoying a know-it-all cigarette. I'd like to call that. She's an ornithologist by trade. I was going to say an ornithologist cigarette. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This is uh. Her basically saying, it's my time to shine. I know what's happening with all the birds. You're you're talking about the birds as if you know the birds, but I know birds. I'm an ornithologist, and they would never behave this way. Little does Mrs. Bundy know. So then also at the restaurant at this point is your prototypical end-of-the-world guy. He's quoting scripture. He's These are all portents of doom and everything, and it was all foreseen in some holy text or another. And then we're doing biblical quotes back and forth across the room for a little bit. And then we also cut over to a sea captain who's over here having this incredible feast of multiple plastic baskets filled with hush puppies and it's fries like and fish and chips. Yeah, and this is just something. pure. This is just bread, sliced bread here. Mm-hmm. Have some bread with your glass of water and your bottle of ketchup. But he is really chowing down, and I would like to join him at that table and have some of that myself. Uh, but he's like, hey, you know, one of my one of my ships out there got swarmed by seagulls, and it's fucking crazy. And so everybody's like, huh? The birds, right? The birds, the birds are being weird. Now, somebody else who has a great feast happening at the restaurant is this family, and this is just a mom making the best of what she can. She can with these two kids, but yeah, we've got we definitely have some big old rolls here. These are this is just. Hats of butter. Butter. Yeah, this looks like some kind of crab salad, maybe. It looks incredible. It's quite a feast. These kids probably it's don't like deserve fried it. like chicken and baked potatoes. 
Yeah, and also delicious back here. These lucky strikes just sitting in this old cigarette machine. Got some Marlboros back there. Very nice camels. Whatever your brand, they've got they've got it at the restaurant there. And so there's a lot of talk about the pending bird war. You know, Mrs. Bundy's like, well, you're just acting like the birds were at war with the birds. And that's when Tippy's like, yeah, this is what I'm saying. I've seen this happen multiple times now. The birds are coming after us and it is on purpose. But I love the idea of a bird war. So they watch outside as birds start to attack. And they attack this guy over at the lubrication station, Capital Oil mm. Company. And this guy gets hit right in the bean by a bird, a swooping bird. He collapses, spills gasoline all over the place. And the birds are really, oh man, look at him. He's just, he got wiped out by this bird. Amazing. And also look at these gas prices, you guys, 33 cents a gallon. Wow. Those were the days, okay. right? Omega Bay. So then the gas spills across the parking lot, across the street, where a man who is also at the restaurant is going to his car and he's enjoying himself a nice cigarette of some kind or a cigar or something. And he, of course, they're screaming like, don't drop the match. And he's like, what? As he drops the match, instantly blows up right next to his car. It's quite a way to go. And it's just, it's bird war, you guys. This is it. This is the bird apocalypse. It's happening. We get a nice aerial shot of just the burning in town, Bodega Bay. Now, this is all a painting, I would imagine. It looks, it looks to be some kind of painting or postcard type of thing, but it's a nice representation of Bodega Bay and the damage wrought by these birds who then swoop in in the foreground and then dive and just start terrorizing. So then there's chaos around Melanie. She hides in a phone booth as well. And these guys, I mean, it does look like a pure apocalypse out there. These old cars blowing up and birds attacking the glass and everything. And then... The birds mysteriously, just as they arrived, mysteriously vanish and go to regroup. And then we get some nice shots of the now emptied restaurant. So we can, you know, you just get a better view of this bar, this pristine bar that you like, right, this, sis? This liquor bar. Yeah. And then just all these abandoned meals. That's so sad. Breaks my heart. And then this is clearly a chocolate cake. Cake. Mm -hmm. A chocolate cake and a bottle of beer over at the restaurant. It's great stuff. And so then they find everybody off oh, and just happy. Oh man, look at all these. Was this kid smoking over here? Nope, no, no cigarettes in that ashtray, but uh, it's just, it's a great place. And everybody's hiding in the back and they are all very suspicious of Melanie at this point of like you and, and the mom of the kids, this one right here, she's going right for Tippy. And she's just like, what are you doing here? She's staring right down the barrel of the camera lens, talking into the camera the birds came with you. You brought them here. Why? You're evil. She shouts at her. She's evil. Yeah, I think this also like um, touches the need for us as human beings to always have like assignable cause to. Well, yeah, yeah, and, and scapegoating too. Yeah. We love to scapegoat. So it has to be you because you're evil, right? And right. you're bringing the birds. It's the only th explanation my brain can come up with. You are just evil. End of discussion. And so, of course, they can't hang out at the restaurant. These people think she's evil. So they, they head back out to the Brenner farm, and the birds are congregating in the distance. They're just lurking forever, making their weird noises. And they discover Annie, mm. Annie's body, and she has been killed by the birds. She's on the porch of her house. Kathy is hiding inside, and it's kind of sad. We liked Annie, right? Annie's a cool customer. Yeah. She, yeah. she didn't deserve birding, but birding she got, and 
get Kathy the fuck out of there, go back to the farm. And they listen to the radio, which makes brief mention of the odd bird attacks in Bodega Bay, but then also moves right on to the sports scores <laughs> shortly thereafter. Everybody's like, wait, that's it? I mean, there's chaos outside. There's a bird apocalypse happening and we're not... And nobody's talking about it the way they should be because this shit is crazy. So they're like, well, I guess we're just here. We're riding out this bird storm. Then the birds come back and they're attacking the house. And they've boarded up this house. That does not stop this gull. And it's and Mitch is wrestling with this gull in the in in Mitch's broken glass in a way that just creeps me out. Just you're gonna cut yourself. You're gonna hit some wow. kind of artery. You're gonna bleed out. And it's all because of this damn seagull. And it's a real struggle. And the birds are attacking the front door and they're pecking away and pecking away. And he's got to, you know, move some, some of this grandiose furniture and, and nail it to, to the door to keep the birds out. Birds everywhere, you guys. Yeah, a hall tree. Let's just know. A hall, it is a hall tree. Yes, hall tree. let's be specific. It's a hall tree. The birds cut the power. I'm surprised at the lack of guns in this movie. Or we wouldn't expect there to be yeah. guns at this time. No, I mean, you're kind of out. This is rural. I mean, of course, they're going to have some kind of shotgun or something like that. But yeah, I'm surprised that there wouldn't be uh, more of a go-to. I mean, it's the American right. Yeah, we have all these guns. What are we keeping around for? Aren't y'all using them to kill these damn birds? Yeah, I I don't know. Melanie hears flapping nearby. She goes upstairs. She discovers. Yeah. She's she's hanging out. She discovers that the birds have actually broken through the roof of the house and have filled the upstairs attic space or you know up, upstairs space. I think it's the upstairs bedroom. Okay, and they just they go for her. They go for her in a big way, and they just swarm, swarm, go for Tippy, go, flapping, clawing, scraping, squealing, the whole deal. It is pretty traumatic. I think Alfred Hitchcock actually threw real birds at her in this scene. So that sounds mm-hmm. like him. Yeah. It sounds like something he would do. Yeah. She, did, she wasn't ready I want for the her. reaction of what a bird would really do to you. Tell me how the bird feels. And that's what he did. And she, she's done after this. Right. I mean, she's she's toast. She's, uh, she's broken. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you think that she's, she's dead. Broken. They get her out of there. They kind of manage to patch her up a little bit. And then from there, they carry her out to the car. The whole scene was really interesting, like how he quietly tiptoed out to the car, yeah. cut the car. Yeah. You're like, I think that those that last what 10, 15 minutes was the most suspense. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, the tension, happen? right? Right. I mean, we've we've seen what like, the birds how are, are they capable gonna of. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the birds are just watching also, every step. Right, and it was also very quiet. They yes, weren't. There wasn't no, communication. Yeah. Melanie is totally broken. Um, and like laying in the arms of Lydia right. in the back of the car, and then Kathy's like, "Can we bring the lovebirds?" Right. The lovebirds so Kathy, read the room, Kathy. Jesus, they but never did also, anything. In my light Google of this, I did read that um, originally Hitchcock did not even want to put like a V end on the movie, but ultimately, had yeah, to so that yeah, people knew that it was over, right? Because it is a very ambiguous ending of because they, they just drive, drive away. away. But the birds are still birding, and also they're birds everywhere, and also they're in a soft top convertible. And what happens right. then? But as far as we're concerned, that concludes. I mean, like just to say, like that the whole scene where the birds are posted outside and they drive away. Mm-hmm. I think that was a brilliant kind of like 
You like like I was yeah. like, okay, I'm terrified. Like, what the fuck are these yeah. going to do? They're frightening. Man. Yeah, I agree with the end being super suspenseful. Yeah. 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 So that's it, guys. That's the birds. I guess it's time for the ultimate question now. Trishman Ike, Alfred Hitchcock's 1963's The Birds. The Birds. We keep watching this thing. So I'm really conflicted. <laughs> Because of you're always conflicted. What else is new? Alfred Hitchcock's, you know, <laughs> maybe history and his darker side. But mm-hmm. okay, so I'm just going to look at it as an objective piece of art, and I would say yes. Okay, I think it's a good movie. Right, I liked it. You do not was, endorse Alfred Hitchcock's behavior yeah. on or off the set. Exactly. Right, and um, it was a little like weird in in bits and pieces, but you know, as a whole, I mm-hmm. so, okay. Yes, great. Yes. I'm so pleased. Uh, this is this is real progress. Carolyn Alros, The Birds. Do we keep watching this thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you like The Birds. For sure. You're pro-Birds. Yeah, I mean, I'm pro-Birds. I've always loved this movie. It holds up for me. It's weird. Yeah. It's creepy. Yeah. I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm right there with you guys. It's, it's a yes for me all the way. It's just, it's unique. There are a lot of mm, human versus nature films out there. But this one is, I mean, there's no topping it. It's as weird as you get. Yeah. Birds, of course, non-intuitive choice. Obviously, Barracuda. Yeah, I'm terrified. Piranha, same thing. It is, it is up there for me in my two top favorite Hitchcock films. Really? Okay, okay. What keeps it up in the top two for you? Is it this incredible green outfit that Tippy's wearing the entire movie that... I is mean, immaculate? I do love this in, entire aesthetic, mm-hmm. at, like... In general, I want to go live at these houses, have that barn, yeah. you know, I mean, um, but I, I like the simple creep factor of like just the birds multiplying. Like it's a really relatively, I mean, not that working with live birds or even fake birds is easy, but it's a relatively simple device. It's kind of like why I love Jaws. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Fin in the ocean. That's all you need and some creepy music and we're there for it. Yep. Yep. So therefore I'm just sort of like, it, it holds, it holds up time and again for me. I could watch it over and over again and be like, yeah, I still love it. Yeah. And this largely works. The, the effects continue to work. It looks great as a movie and we're watching it, obviously a a very restored version. The colors are popping. Aesthetically, we're definitely seeing transition from 50s lifestyle to 60s lifestyle here. Also, I think the fact that it doesn't rely too heavily on the violence, like you're not seeing, it's not graphic. You're not seeing a lot of gore and the gore that you do see is meted out very carefully. So like the uh, Farmer Fawcett's eyes getting pecked out of his head, you know, you see it, it's just a flash, but it's enough to take your breath away. It's uh, so upsetting. And I guess the other thing for me is my complaint about rope was that I really wasn't invested in any of the characters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this one I am. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, there is like the, they're, they're more human. They're more dimensional. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even the ancillary ones, like I, not, not just our main characters of Mitch and Melanie, but I like the little sister. I like the mother, Lydia. Yeah. I like Annie, you know, yeah. I mean, there's some dimension to all of them that makes me sort of, want to go on this journey this weird journey with these characters right right okay guys so that's the birds let's talk about how we're going to wrap up october yeah round of applause for the birds of course oh 
Now we've done three Hitchcocks. Now for the specific Halloween episode, I'm going to do something very much not Hitchcockian. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm. It's a movie I remember from when I was a boy and it scared the shit out of me. Mm. And it's called The Ghost and Mr. Chicken. And for The Ghost and Mr. Chicken, I'm going to be breaking the rules very slightly and going out of our purview of time to the year of 1966. Okay. So I apologize for you sticklers, but rules are made to be broken. Do you want to know what this movie's about, Trishma? Yes. A timid typesetter hasn't a ghost of a chance of becoming a reporter until he decides to solve a murder mystery and ends up spending a fright-filled night in a haunted house. Dun, dun, dun. Are you ready to deal with it? I am. You're have to. Darkness, Trishma. Right. No, it's a comedy. Don Knotts is the star. Don Knotts. It's great. With an, uh, an uncredited co-write from Andy Griffith himself for this picture. So we'll be talking a lot of Mayberry, no doubt. Andy Griffith Show, have you ever seen this? No. Do you know Ron Howard? He's a director? He's a director, yeah. He's, yeah. He was an actor on this program when he was a boy. He played Opie. Okay. So that's your in there. I guess maybe not. I don't know. We're going to find out. Trishma, thank you so much for joining us this Hitchcocktober. You're welcome. Love the art. Hate the artist, right? Exactly. Carolyn, same to you. Bam. Back at me. Alfred, it's mm. been mm, not a pleasure per se, but it's been something. It's been entertaining. We'll pull you out next October. <laughs> we'll pull you out of your box. You're in there for now. Bye. Goodbye. Farewell. Bye, Alfred. <laughs> Back into your box, Alfred. And that's it. Oh. Over to you in the future. Time machine. And so concludes another episode of Old Movie Time Machine, The Birds. Well done, team. I say to you in the past. Uh, but if you agree, please write into us at partyline at oldmovietimemachine.com. We'd love to hear from you. Also, please check out our Patreon page. We call it The Boom Room, and it offers you ad-free content at twice the volume. So for two bucks a month, you're getting double-length episodes of all these shows that you're getting here on the free feed. So please join us over there. It's a sweet time. Next week... We are celebrating Halloween with 1966's The Ghost and Mr. Chicken, which is, fortunately for us, available all over the place. So you can rent or buy this on AMC Theaters On Demand, Apple TV, Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, Vudu, the Microsoft Store, Redbox, DirecTV. And so please check out this silly movie and then join us next Wednesday as we celebrate the spooky season and wrap it up with the ghost of Mr. Chicken next time an old movie time machine. <laughs>